Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bada bing. Welcome to the NFL Trend Zone, the week three edition. I am your host, Austin Baker, here with Cody Spears and Wes Johnson. We might have another guest trying to get Jonathan Baskerville on today. I'm not sure if he's going to make it. We shall see. We're going to talk about week three tonight. Some of week two, basically looking back in the rear view, pointing out studs and duds from week two, one man a piece, and then talking about our panic meter um, for one NFL team a piece. That's what's on the agenda. Looking back at week two, peering ahead to week three, as the NFL season finds its footing, all the preseason bugs should be out of the way by now. First, though, Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and of course, NFL. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your damn phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on all the action. Remember to use the promo code we're giving you, Believe, B L E A V. Believe for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, aka free money. Bet online where the game starts. Trend zone week three, but we're going to peek back at some of the week two stuff in unison with the week three coming up. And I'm going to start with Cody tonight. We're doing studs, duds, and a team that should be panicking right now if they're not already. We're going to go around the horn. We're minus Jason Boland tonight. He's got a uh, a different event that he's attending. So it's just the three of us. I teased Jonathan Baskerville at the top of the show, but he won't be able to join tonight. Perhaps he'll join the coming weeks to talk about, oh boy, the Chicago Bears, a hot topic on Wednesday. But that's neither here nor there. So Cody, I want to, I want, we're going to start out with studs. Give me one stud that you have circled in pen or pencil for through week two. Uh, yeah, so my dude who is actually a stud, uh, or no, my bad, my dud who is actually a stud, that's a typo. Uh, ah. Bear with me when I walk us through these stats real quick. Brian Robinson in 2022, he was 19th in average attempts per game, 13th in average yards per game, and 19th in success run rate percentage. Brian Robinson in 2023 goes from 19th to 7th in average attempts per game, from 13th to 6th in average yards per game, and then he stays at 19th success run rate percentage. He was the RB34 and underdog for at the start of the season. And he's currently the RB3 in fantasy football. We're talking about Brian Robinson of the Commanders. This <laughs> offseason, it felt that the Commanders would operate a two-running back committee, utilizing Brian Robinson as a ground-and-pound runner while letting Antonio Gibson get back to concentrating on a skill he dominated coming out of college, pass catching. Instead, what was materialized is that Robinson is seeing the ninth largest opportunity share among running backs and has turned it into an RB3 overall production. Looking forward, though, the Bills might not be an ideal matchup for the Commanders, but to date they've allowed five yards per carry to running backs, and Robinson's usage has been consistently strong. Right now we can consider him an every-week starter in fantasy, which was definitely not the case before. He was actually getting drafted behind his backfield mate, Antonio Gibson, at the start of the season, and it's kind of looking like a Josh Jacobs deal to where everybody's like, how the hell did we let this guy fall to like the 10th round? There's, there's no way. and. Yeah, this dude's a dog, and I have zero shares of Brian Robinson because I've never been a believer. He was definitely a dud for me, and I'm owning that L right now. <laughs> That's all right. Wes, who's one of your or who is your stud for the purposes of this show? 
Stud, for the purposes of the show, uh, I, I have to agree with Cody on Brian Robinson. He's been, you know, everything that they've wanted in a running back, uh, everything that Antonio Gibson hasn't been. So uh, that's been promising for them in Washington. Uh, my stud, I, of course, have to go a little off script here. Um, I'm going with the Dol- Dolphins offensive line. This is an offensive line that um, they've allowed one sack through two games. Uh, last season, Tua got beat up, uh, and the team finished with uh, finished 24th in pass block win rate at 55.6%. Uh, this season, without their best overall lineman and uh, tackle, Teron Armstead, they have the 18th best pass block win rate. Tua is also decisive in getting the ball out faster than any starter with uh, 2.35 second throw time. Uh, so that decisiveness coupled with the fact that uh, they're they're winning their pass blocks quicker uh, has allowed the team to average 30 points a game t- to start the season. Uh, Tua also leads the league in pass yards with 715 yards. Uh, and his protection is a, a major component of that. Uh, as of right now, this Dolphins team is humming. Uh, they're going to go up against uh, Belichick this this weekend, and uh, we'll see what – actually, was it last weekend? I, I'm so confused with it. Uh, <laughs> it was last weekend. Last yeah, weekend, yeah. Um, they went up against Belichick, who's notorious for taking away what they do best. Uh, they took away the deep ball to Waddle and to uh, Tyreek. Uh, so did Tua panic? No. He he took what the defense gave him, hit the under underneath routes, uh, you know, pounded the small stuff, and they were able to uh, thoroughly dominate a game in New England, which doesn't happen all that often. And then they play the Broncos, I believe, at home on Sunday in the, the noon window, as we call it here in the Midwest. And, and uh, unless, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said, unless something funky happens, they should be looking at a three and O start with eyes on the bills in Buffalo in week four. Uh, we'll get to the, the Broncos later for sure. In my speech. Um, speaking of pass blocking proficiency, uh, I was kind of like doing some research, trying to figure out who I was going to put in these. And so this kind of goes along with what Wes just said about the dolphins Whenever I was looking up quarterback stats and I was looking up specifically uh, percentage of time sacked when attempting a pass, Tua is number four on there. But, I mean, we're talking little decimal points. He might as well be tied for a second. Um, You would never believe who's first. I was truly like, how? Jimmy Garoppolo has not been (laughs) sacked yet this year. Really? Yeah, that Hmm. blew my mind. Second is Matthew Stafford, which makes sense. I've watched... I have accidentally ended up watching both Rams games uh, the first two weeks of the season. And Matthew Stafford looks spry. Uh, Then you got Mahomes, Tua, another surprise, and Baker Mayfield, and then Dak Prescott. And then there's a huge cliff drop-off from there. But, yeah, Tua's definitely there. But for Jimmy Garoppolo, that kind (laughs) of reminded me of that. And I was like, I got to share that. And uh, somehow, Tua... Tagovailoa is the front runner to an MVP through two weeks. He has plus 600 odds, and that has him at the top of the pack, even ahead of the 
powers that be in Mahomes and, of course, Josh Allen, even though he looked a little bit better last week, and poor Joe Burrow uh, isn't anywhere near there right now, and we don't even know if he's going to play this week. So uh, it's two us to lose. I don't know if he'll he'll finish the last 15 games that strong, but that's noteworthy. Nobody saw that coming except for maybe Wes in his yeah. – uh, and his prognostications. Uh, my stud is a well-established stud in in the the world in the NFL, but I have to call him out. Uh, it's Mike Evans. Uh, it's unbelievable that there were some that were like, "Well, you know, he's getting up there, and he doesn't have Tom Brady anymore, so he'll probably come back down to earth." And then it just hasn't happened. Uh, he's the exact same guy, if not better than last year. And it's unbelievable how that guy is always the same amount of good, no matter if it's Jameis Winston, it's Brady, if it's this reincarnation of Baker Mayfield. For the most part, he doesn't get hurt. He's only played less than 15 games once in his career. And that's back mostly through 17 or 16 game seasons, mind you. And I think what were we able to get him in all of our redraft leagues about round five, six, seven. And that would, for the most part, if you're playing a standard league, you'd usually ponder him for your flex. And now you have to have him in the lineup until he proves otherwise. And if you're uh, um, a seasoned fantasy owner, you you kind of know that Mike Evans is, you know, some weeks it'll be 150, two touchdowns, you're like, Jesus. And then some weeks it's two catches for 40 yards. And you're like, oh, uh, this the start to the season hasn't been that way, and it's it's a marvel that it flat out doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball. He's the same dude, never has less than a thousand yards a season. He I believe he just turned 30, and he seems like one of those guys that if he wants it based on his injury history, he can probably play till 36, 37, and almost have that Larry Fitzgerald uh, way about him where he's quietly one of the best to ever do it. Yeah, he uh, I think. I don't have it in front of me. I think he had 171 or 179 yards um, this past weekend. That was the eighth. Man, I feel like I'm butchering the stat. That was the eighth <laughs> uh, highest total he's had ever in his career. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I remember yeah. seeing that. I was like, what? Like, but I, I feel like I, I can see that. Yeah. And then if if uh, listeners, guys and gals play Dynasty, you could get him even lower. And I got involved in a bunch of those this offseason. And it, I don't know, maybe I was jaded by how low he went Dynasty because he just, you know, he's turning 30. But the, the guy, the way he's performing right now and everything we know about him suggests he shouldn't have fallen regular drafts all the way to five, six and seven. And whether it's fantasy or in real life. The guy is just a stud and he's not a self promoter. So, you know, he's not on, you don't see him in commercials and he's not everybody's favorite player, but man, uh, he is a quintessential, like just beacon of consistency. Yeah. That, and that was his eighth. He had two anywhere from two Oh nine to one seventy one eight times already. It's nuts. And then the rest of his stat on pro pro football references and saying all the hundred receiving games. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievable that he does it all the time. And we're just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's Mike Evans for you. All right. That's the good. Uh, B. Robinson, who always throws us off, throws us off at our leagues, Brian Robinson, uh, <laughs> the Dolphins offensive line. And for me, I guess a lifetime achievement award stud, Mike Evans. Let's get into some of the duds. Wes, why don't you kick us off with your dud of the week? Or I guess my, for the first two weeks. Yeah, my dud of the first two weeks. It, it's got to be Justin Fields. Yeah. Now, here's a guy, all right, enough with the Collinsworth, uh, that many pundits crowned as the next quarterback to take the leap uh, into that 
next level of quarterback play, um, especially with the offseason addition of DJ Moore. Uh, so far, that's not been the case as he ranks towards the bottom of the league in most uh, quarterback metrics. Uh, he has thrown 66 passes through two games, which is something he doesn't really excel at. Um, offensive coordinator Luke Getze, uh has stubbornly tried to make Fields a pocket quarterback, which just doesn't work for him. Uh, it's like taking away your favorite superhero's main power and expecting them to win a fight. Uh, Fields is also holding on to the ball too long and not seeing open receivers. Uh, for some of us, he is, you know, what what we thought he would be. Uh, but even that doesn't mean that he can't be serviceable because we saw it last season. He he was able to drive that offense downfield, uh, albeit with his legs. Um, but in doing so, that kind of frees him up to to do other things. I was talking with uh, Jonathan Baskerville. Uh, who is a Bears fan and couldn't make it tonight on the show uh, earlier today. And he um, he and I both agreed that um, for whatever reason, if Field stays in the pocket, he, I think, has trouble deciphering what to do with the ball or maybe he has difficulty seeing over the line. Um but getting him on rollouts, getting him out of the pocket, it, it almost like expands his vision somehow. So um, I think if Luke Getze gets into more of that for him, you know, we, we might see a, a better uptick in stats for Fields. I've got some Fields thoughts. This is the exact same shit they did last year, and it took him, what, six games to figure it out that you can't just make him a pocket passer. He's basically... Lamar Jackson, without without the ability to throw that well, he's just as good, valuable as a runner. And I don't know if they have some phobia that we can't have him be like that because he's going to get hurt. I'd understand it. But when you try to do this, make him this pocket passer, I pulled because of my fantasy ownership of him, I pulled up to see how many rushing yards he had last week, and it was like three. It's like, oh, well, no wonder he sucks. You're not letting him do his thing. And so Wes's speech perfectly encapsulated. They're doing the same goddamn thing they did last year where they're like, all right, well, we're going to start off. And then sometime when they're probably when they're like one and seven, it's going to click like, fuck, we we better run it now. And then they're going to be just fine because that's what his game is. And this is so eerily similar. The summer of 2019, the media tried to talk us into Mitch Trubisky as an MVP candidate. He was the dark horse, like the cool guy to bet for because he was going into year three. And then he came out and did this. We're like, oh. He's just not going to take the jump. Exact same team. Uh, I'll say Fields is probably cooler. At least, you know, he looks cooler on the field the way he does things. And we just get we get this obsession with trying to find the guy to take the third year leap. And the last two, what Josh Allen, it was correct. Jalen Hurts, it was mostly correct. Um, I mean, Jalen Hurts, that's he's another one could be considered a dud for his individual performance. He hasn't played that well, but it's all masked by everything else on the Eagles. Uh, but we really want a quarterback in year three to do the thing if he's hyped. And sometimes we just get it wrong. And unfortunately, for the Bears' sake, it's been wrong back-to-back times when their guy is the next man up. Uh, so, your dud, Cody. Uh, yeah, just uh, I-, I was researching Justin Fields. I just want to pile on yeah. him real quick as well. We got well. time. Go ahead. One uh, stat that stuck out to me, 
is his sack rate percentage or his percentage of time sacked when attempting to pass leads the league in 2023 at 13.2 leads the league in 2022 with 14.7 also leads the league in 2021 with 11.8. This (laughs) dude is a sack machine. I went and picked up Kansas city's defense in my only defense fantasy football league, just because I'm going to play whatever team plays Justin Fields. They're guaranteed to get six sacks. I mean, he's just not a pocket passer. This is not going to work out great. And hopefully, before you know it, we're not watching Caleb Williams throw to DJ Moore and Marvin Harrison while being <laughs> coached by Ben Johnson. So, well, the, the thing with Fields that's so weird is if you look back and you do the inverse, let's take Philip Rivers or uh, I don't know. Philip Rivers comes to mind because he wasn't mobile. If if your offense was all right, well, we need you on the move. We need you running. We're going to script rushing plays for you. And you ask Philip Rivers to do that, it would be it would not work because he's not he wasn't fast even when he was twenty five years old. And so you're asking a guy to do more of what he does worse. And he very clearly hasn't figured out the pocket part of being a pocket quarterback. And so it's so strange that they, they really did figure it out. I mean, they still lost every damn game last year after they figured it out, but at least fields look better. And you thought that they were like, all right, well now they know that he can run the ball a little bit and they're going to, they're going to do both. Like the Ravens have done since 2018 and nope, Nope, we're gonna try to try to convert him again. So yeah, all right. and this this class is starting to look like it might be the ultimate rug pool. You got Trevor Lawrence, who, I mean, I'm still on Trevor Lawrence. He's great. He shows that he's gonna be great, but at least so far to this year, uh, well, I mean, so far to this point, you're kind of hoping he could be more than what he's shown. Um, mm-hmm. I guess for expectations, he's kind of mid on meeting those. But then you got Zach Wilson. Uh, everybody's enamored with his playing style and his physical talents. He bust Trey, Trey Lance, same thing, bust Justin Fields, same thing, bust. And then Mac Jones. I mean, he's, he's, I'm, I'm in on Mac Jones this season. So, I mean, we'll give it that, (laughs) but as far as I'm concerned, this class looks like it went from a whole bunch of potential to maybe nobody's that. Well, Kellen Mond is still a shining star. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, all right. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> right, my stud who turned out to be a dud is someone that I was hyping up on here all off season. For the record, I don't think it's his fault. I still think this guy's a stud. He's just in a dud situation, and that's going to be Damian Pierce of the Texans. I'm gonna run through these stats again, just like I did last time. 2022, Damian Pierce. He's seventh in average attempts per game, eighth in average yards per game, and 14th in success run rate. Draw, you know, RB1 numbers, fantastic. But Damian Pierce in 2023 goes from 7th to 30th in average attempts per game. And then he goes in 8th in average yards per game to 42nd. And then uh, he is 46th in a successful run rate percentage. This Texans offensive line is bad. I mean, you at this point, the Texans are pretty much the AFC counterpart of the Vikings. This mm-hmm. is a team that that their offensive offensive line is a sieve. Uh, Damian Pierce's um, average yards before contact is negative 1.7, which goes to show you he don't even make it to the line of scrimmage before he's touching a defender. Um, for what it's worth, Cam Akers is dead last in that category this season. <laughs> um, and uh, Damian Pierce, he was the RB18 and underdog for the start of the season. He's currently the RB43. 
Uh, he's dominated the Texans running back room with 30 touch 30 touches in week one and two, yet he finished with less than 50 total yards and seven PPR points in each game on a Texans offense that is expected to be trailing in most games and not receiving aptitude to his name. Or, I'm, my bad. Let me reset that. On a Texans offense that is expecting to be trailing in most games, he's just not really getting the volume he needs to be successful in the type of uh, – in the area of the field that he um, succeeds in, and that's not catching the ball, and that's all the Texans are doing right now. They, they can't stop a nosebleed. Uh, C.J. Stroud just became – the first Ohio State quarterback to throw for over 350 yards in a game uh, with 386 in a second. And by the way, I'm in on C.J. Stroud. This was a coming out party for C.J. Stroud. Um, it's also not a good sign that Pierce is playing just 45% of snaps thus far. His talent, like I said, it's not the issue. The real question is how often will the game script be in his favor? When are they going to be throwing the ball less than 30 times a game? Uh I, I just don't see it really turning around for Damian Pierce in the Texans run game, despite him having all the talent in the world. This dude might not even crack, crack six or 700 yards this year. There's some stat and shame on me for not having it ready that I saw in like August or so. And I can't remember if we talked about it on this show. It was like Paul Charchian or somebody tweeted that running backs with rookie quarterbacks for fantasy purposes, mm-hmm. never really get off the schneid to the tune of a top, you know, 10 pick or whatever. And now you're looking at it and Miles Sanders. Yep. Miles Sanders, not really doing anything yet. Uh, Damian Pierce, uh, what you just talked about. And so maybe there is something to, you'd think it'd be the opposite. You'd think that the young quarterback would want to hand the ball to the running back and make his life easier, but there's some voodoo um, or mojo that makes it not good, at least through two weeks or historically, if I can pull that stack correctly. Yeah. Um, or, or if you're a go and future all pro Anthony Richardson, your running back's going to feast because you're multifaceted and <laughs> are amazing. Don't even get me started on Anthony Richardson. I said I'm sold on CJ Stroud. I'm yeah. trying to buy Anthony Richardson in every league I'm in right now. Just about, just about. Unless how, I have Pat Mahomes. Already. How many leagues is that? Eleven, and 11? I will have I will have him in at least eight by the end of the year. Wow! So you're gonna. You're gonna live I'm or die by that. Oh yeah, without a <laughs> doubt. But I'm I'm telling you, I'm so confident in Anthony Richardson. I don't know if I've been more confident in a player ever. This dude's it uh, to, to morph into a passer too. Yeah, without yeah. a doubt, he's already he's already there. I think that like if uh, so, I've been watching the QB school on YouTube, which goes through breaking down all these quarterback games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Anthony Richardson is making full on like full progression reads, getting to his fourth free fourth read like that. I mean, and not to mention the Colts um, offense is phenomenal. Uh, uh, JTL Sullivan on there keeps talking about how because he's also done a he's, he's done a breakdown on the Eagles as well. And he's he really believes that the Eagles truly lost something important to them in Shane Steichen, who got hired by the Colts. And you can see a lot of those same elements from last year's Eagles team are on that Philadelphia offense maybe even better with some of the things that he can do with Anthony Richardson and now they're kind of lacking from Philadelphia and Mm -hmm. it's just all types of things that just accentuate uh, Anthony Richardson perfectly and I with the coaching and the talent I mean he's already the most athletic uh, quarterback to ever play he's he's gonna be great and nobody was expecting him to be going through all of his reads already this early and yeah 
if you can get him anywhere, get him. I'm probably gonna get his jersey. And I don't my, even like I don't even like the Colts. <laughs> my dud is me eating a little bit of crow in the first two games of the season is Kenny Pickett. Uh yes, they won on Monday Night Football, but you pull up any quarterback me- metric and he is in the toilet. Uh his QBR, ESPN's uh favorite quarterback metric is 18.8, which is at the very bottom, even worse than Justin Fields. And then his passer rating, the good old-fashioned one, quite literally old-fashioned, is 69.7, and that'll have you out of the league in no time. Um, so I still think Pickett will turn it around, at least his individual performance, and we know beyond the shadow of a doubt uh, Mike Tomlin won't allow a losing team to happen on his watch. But that game, A, was weird, and Pickett, I was expecting, all right, this is a dude I've been thinking has it, has it, and I was like, oh, God, and this is going to take a little bit longer than I thought. Uh, so he's really been a dud statistically um, right out of the – first two weeks of the season and i hope for his sake that he turns it around all right we got 10 minutes gentlemen to talk about teams that should be panicked i'm guessing you have them at zero and two maybe you have one one at one and one but what do you got wes uh i have the uh in my mind the obvious choice uh cincinnati Bengals. uh this is a team that has been contending for the super bowl uh the last you know, two or three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a team that's, uh, that needs to be in panic mode, uh, especially after losing back-to-back divisional games. Um, this is done while only mustering, a, a meager 20 offensive points. Uh, the other seven that they've, uh, scored came off of a punt return. Uh, to be frank, they need to get their shit together if they plan on making the playoffs. Yeah, that's that's the problem is perhaps if they lived in the NFC, you could say, all right, well, they're going to turn around. Even if you got to 0-3 in the NFC, and this is not me putting the bar low for the Vikings, uh, it's just being <laughs> honest that even if you got to the low point of the NFC and you're 0-3 and you had the Bengals roster and you had Joe Burrow, you wouldn't need a full-on panic because besides the 49ers and Cowboys, uh, I mean, who look like they should play the Super Bowl, like just get it over with next week. Uh, mm-hmm. The Packers, whether you believe in them or not, like we talked about it for many months, that the NFC is wide open if you don't believe in the supremacy of the 49ers and Eagles. And now the Cowboys really do look good. We're going to have to do a show about how good they look. But yeah, I'm with you that in the AFC, you can't afford to fuck around and you're going to get passed by by these hungry teams that are like even even the Steelers are going to pass them up because I'm sure they'll find a way to be two and two at least by uh, week five rolls around. And the Bengals are going to be staring at each other with Jake Browning, who's never thrown a regular season pass if he gets the nod. And it could be one of those seasons that I predicted for the Bills where shit was going to go wrong, but you didn't know what it was. It feels like Mm -hmm. that that's happening to the Bengals. Yeah, they the offense needs to really get going uh, fast if they want to help support the defense. Uh, they host the back from the dead Rams and follow that game with a game in Tennessee. Uh, I think they need to win both games to position themselves back amongst the pack. Uh, both teams have defenses that will make this uh, sputtering offense work for everything they, they get. So it's, it's kind of the the perfect aid for them like they they need they need to continue to be tested and they need to succeed at it especially with the weapons that they have so um uh 0 and 4 or 1 and 3 start it, it could be desperation time for cincinnati and a reminder unless you know something i don't Wes, joe burrow is honest to goodness questionable so we're talking about this do or die shit with a guy named jake browning who's never thrown an nfl pass 
Yeah. And yeah, it's just like yikes. My my buddy, he brought up a good point in the league that Cody and I are in. Uh he said he's worried about Burrow. Burrow yeah. has a calf injury. Uh Burrow's had ACL injuries. Uh Kevin Durant had a calf injury. He came back and played. Mm-hmm. What happened? Popped his Achilles. Aaron Rodgers had a calf injury. Came back and played. What happened? Popped his Achilles. So uh he's concerned. Uh I you know, hoping, praying that doesn't happen to Burrow. Never want to see, you know, elite players like that have to go off the field with uh you know potential career threatening injury. So um, you know, maybe it's Cincinnati being cautious with him. Who knows? But at the same time, that you know, their season's in jeopardy. The good news or pseudo good news is, is that if your buddy knows it, now you know it, we know it. It's a good indication the Bengals probably know it. Uh yeah. that that trail of tears history, if you will, when it comes to the calf to the Achilles to boom, he's out for a season and then perhaps more. Uh, if you're talking about Durant's situation. Yeah. Um, all right, your panic mode, Cody Spears. Sweet. Uh, so I didn't have time to get to this in my notes, so I mm-hmm. uh, kind of just went over it just shortly ago, freestyling it, and the Jets are screwed. <laughs> um, just looking at a couple of their stats, they're actually on pace for about 80% of their pa- – or not even that. They're on pace for 1,000 less passing yards than they were last year, which is already pretty horrific. <laughs> and then uh, their TD to INT ratio is already worse than it was last year, which a lot of that was saved by Joe Flacco and Mike White, especially Mike White. I think he had like a four-touchdown, 400-yard game or something like that. I mean, once they lost to the Vikings, they never got good again. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it sounds about right. Uh, Their average drives are um, a minute and a half on average less so far. This Jets team is so screwed, dude. And then next they're playing the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Broncos, who they're kind of flying under the radar. Everybody's pissing all over the Broncos, but really they're kind of in the same boat as the Chargers and Vikings in the sense of, Once you break down the advanced metrics, you realize that, you know, the Broncos aren't actually so bad. Uh, Then you got the Eagles. I mean, we're talking a murderer's row. They really did want to set Aaron Rodgers up for some drama storylines. And not to mention, only one game out of their next five is in a 1 p.m. slate. So they're going to feature Zach Wilson and the New York Jets against the Patriots, Chiefs, Broncos, Eagles. And then he doesn't get a break until he comes up against the Giants and Chargers. Uh, what a season of misery for the Jets. Uh, it's. I wanted to also say the Bears, just to say, I don't know if, Dustin, you're going to go over the Bears or anybody mm-hmm. went over the Bears, but we definitely got to touch on their left tackle going to IR. Um, <laughs> Peanut Tillman um, being a Fed and reporting on the <laughs> Bears defensive coordinator uh, getting his house raided. I mean, Justin Fields throwing the coaches under the bus. It's it's all a disaster. Yeah, I think they want tried a to lap that I did not like Ryan Poles. Just want to say that I thought his hire of Matt Eberflus was kind of nepotism in a sense because it was just, hey, we're buddies. Uh, I like being around you. You're you're my coach. Uh, the Bears t- attempted to clean up every single one of those talkers that you had, and I don't I don't know how many of them are clean upable. Uh, I guess it depends on who you believe. But the weird thing about the Jets, I think I said this last week, is they're probably going to be in a position where they draft a quarterback to sit behind Rodgers 
when Roger is, you know, the dark with the night is darkest for the dawn. He's coming back. It sounds like uh, next year. I don't believe any of this shit that he's coming back for the playoffs because a they won't get there and b he just won't. Um, but they're gonna. They're, I really do think they're gonna have to ponder drafting Drake May because Caleb will probably go somewhere else. And it's just really weird that would happen to Rodgers. And then think about the the dichotomy of the Jets when they lose their quarterback. And Robert Saleh Salah came from the 49ers. And if this happened to the 49ers, we'd all be like, oh, well, they're still going to win about eight or nine games. It doesn't matter who they put a quarterback. But for the Jets, they just are utterly done when their quarterback goes down. I don't know what it is about the 49ers system that can just squeeze the goodness out of anybody. Even if, who was it last year? Josh Johnson that came in. If that guy would have been the quarterback yeah. this year, <laughs> oh, they'll be seven and ten. You book it. They'll be just fine, mediocre, fill the pack. But Send the, Trey Lance to the Jets. <laughs> yeah, the the... There's something about the 49ers system that is wonderful, probably Kyle Shanahan personally. But as soon as Rodgers goes down, it's like, all right, well, first of all, we're going to pound our chest for one week about Zach Wilson. And then within, what, 20 minutes of real time, we're like, oh, yeah, the following week, he ain't that good. Uh, mm-hmm. My pa- my panic mode team is the Denver Broncos. I can get away with saying this because Jason is off tonight. The biggest problem for them right now is they had two somewhat winnable games at home to start the season and they lost both of them. Um, they should have got that one and one, probably two and oh, uh, it looks, it appears that Wes is going to be correct about Sam Howell being, you know, at least decent. And this is just his first little go around. He looks really good. Um, so they might get a, get out of jail free card there against a good, a well-coached team in the commanders, but Denver, those are going to lose Sunday. Let's get that out of the way uh, against the dolphins on the road. Then they go to Chicago, who will be in an 0-3. They'll be in desperation mode. And then this week five game that we're supposed to be the best game on the schedule because of the war of words, the Jets and the Broncos isn't going to mean shit um, because both of those teams are going to be bottom feeding. But then, so there's this glimpse that the Broncos, if they are actually good, um, that they're what, two and three. Then they have the Chiefs, the Packers, who are apparently good, the Chiefs again, the Bills, the Vikings, who I believe will be good by then, and then the Browns before the schedule starts to lighten up. And Oof. all of this, the the Walmart transaction with Sean Payton was supposed to turn this around. Even Russell Wilson does look better, but now the defense is no good, and Vance Joseph is the new bad guy again. So it just <laughs> seems like I swear, and Jason could attest, that after they won that Super Bowl in 2015, nothing at all has gone right for the Broncos. And even in, even when they tried their their damnedest to do cool stuff like get the good version of Russell Wilson from Seattle, everybody thought that was a sweet trade. And then they're going to do the the one bona fide solution and trade for Sean Payton because he knows how to work with a winning quarterback. So far, that's zero and two against two meh opponents at home. And now their schedule is murderous after they get over this hump of the Bears and the Jets. So we don't even know if they're going to win those games. So my prediction of the Broncos reaching the postseason looks like just total dumbassery. And I I don't know how what they're going to do. It'll probably involve them getting rid of Wilson after this year and Peyton starting fresh because I think he'll uh, Wilson will be the sacrificial part ahead of Peyton. All right, gentlemen, that's with one to, more thing. Yeah, real uh, quick. 50 seconds. Yeah, left no, on the no clock. I got you. I got you. Uh, fuck Canada. <laughs> uh, Matt, Matt Canada, Matt Canada. The Steelers. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to ruining the, a great offense. I'm going to have to check the analytics and make sure that there's no Canadians listening to clean that up a little bit. All right, gentlemen. I, I touched on that. Yeah, I you touched did. on that, what, three, four weeks ago. I said, Matt Canada, it, I'm hearing it from the fantasy community. He's First gonna, fire. Yep. First well, fire. Maybe not. Steelers are slow handed, but yeah. <laughs> it should be the 
All right, we'll talk to you guys in one week, all right? All right, all right later. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.